Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am happy, so happy to have Christine Ramos on the show. Christine is an author and maternal child health registered nurse who has worked as a certified childbirth educator, certified doula, and an internationally board certified lactation consultant. She is also a physical empath who can perceive the human energy field. Christine has earned two professional degrees and has worked for the New York City Department of Reproductive Health, major New York hospitals, and her own private practice. Prior to becoming an RN, Christine was a social worker for 10 years in the mental health field. There she worked therapeutically with people who have mental health and substance abuse issues. Currently, Christine is a contributing writer for health, parenting, and parenting and spiritual publications worldwide. Her newly revised and updated book, A Journey Into Being, Knowing and Nurturing Our Children as Spirit, was just republished in June 2021. Born and raised in New York City, she now lives on Long Island with her husband and children. Welcome to the program, Christine. Thank you so much, Marla. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes, it's so wonderful to have you. Where are you in Long Island? Um, In a little town called East Rockaway. Okay, because my husband's from Syosa. Do you know where that is? Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you're right. in California, correct? Yes, yes, Southern California. I, I'm here part-time in Colorado, part-time. So. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm really itching to get to Colorado. But let's get going. Your, your background is so impressive, and it's things I'm just so interested in. And first, I'd just like to talk a little bit about your book, a journey into being knowing and nurturing our children as spirit. So what, what do you mean by nurture, knowing and nurturing our children as spirit and why? Um, I think we all know, but I'd like to hear you say as a professional, why, why is that so important? Okay, great question. Um, knowing our children as spirit means recognizing who they are authentically before the influences of social conditioning and genetics. It's like recognizing the raw spirit of our child. Mm -hmm. And what's the importance of knowing that? The importance is is to me everything. Um, We all arrive here at School Earth um, to fulfill a purpose, right? We're here to, within the greater context, a greater goal of expanding in love. So I believe that once you know a child as spirit, you have access to that sacred gift that they have to share with us in this world. Um, 
And with that access, you can nurture your child so individually that you basically have that capability to unlock those beautiful gifts. Um, and in doing so, with that type of nurturing, you, you're also able to help your child reach her most authentic self, mm -hmm. her most uh, uh, strengthened self so that she's best prepared to live out this life plan. Um, you know, I always like to say to anybody who would listen, we're not here, we don't arrive at this world as a blank slate. Like some of the philosophers have said back in the day, we come as an eternal spirit with a past, with a future, with probably many pasts in terms of, you know, many lives. Um, knowing our child as spirit means understanding the journey to physical life and you know what's involved in choosing parents and how does the spirit join the physical body does the mother sense that when it happens um all kinds of questions uh that i thought was so important to address when i wrote this book because when i was pregnant with my second child um I was looking for this, the type of book that I wrote only to help me to fully realize the profound spirituality of bringing new life into this world. You know, we, you know, women basically act as a portal, right? Yes. Uh, we are ushering in these beautiful souls that have a grander plan for all of us. And, you know, Understanding our child as spirit also encompasses the notion that we all come to this world with both feminine and masculine energies, right? And what I want people to think about is how those two energies manifest in this individual, right? Because we, what I've learned is that we are not just a product of our biology. We are the product of these dynamic energies that come and coalesce together as spirit. And so what happens when say the predominant energy does not align with the child's sex, mm -hmm. right? So it's all about looking and nurturing your child as spirits, seeing them for who they really are as a soul and not just um, a genetic copy of both your spouse or the child's biological, you know, father and yourself. And it's, it's the beauty and the multi-dimensionality multi of this child and recognizing, you know, the the profound expansion that they can bring to this world, right. expansion in love and expand, you know, expansion for the greater collective consciousness. Beautiful, very well articulated. Um, so that brings up a really interesting question that I hadn't sent to you, but I 
you know, the gender, um, we're like going through this in my own family, um, of a situation where a child comes in and they feel not, and it's not even a sexual thing, like who they're attracted to, it's more who they are, their identity. And what, I'm getting shivers as I say this, why do you think more and more children are coming into this world like this? Because they're also so sensitive as PMH Atwater says, you know, kids are just like in drones coming into this world, just shaking everything up. And you can hardly go anywhere and, and not, you know, meet a family that, um, you know, that has a child that is, that is not struggling with this, celebrating this, I hope. Yes. Um, so can you, can you comment on that? Absolutely. Um, I write about this a lot also um, in, uh, in journals and in uh, magazines. And that is, is that I believe that children that the children that are coming into this world are profoundly sensitive. They are profoundly empathic. And in doing so, they're forcing other people to look at ourselves, look at others in a different way. And along with that, they're starting to recognize and sense those dynamics within themselves, those masculine uh, uh, traits, that, that masculine energy in a female uh, uh, body can manifest as a very assertive girl, right. right? It can manifest as a gutsy girl, maybe perhaps even a, a sporty girl, uh, somebody who loves kind of the rough and tumble kind of play. Uh, so I, I think it's about embracing and, and uh, forcing us to look at and embracing these differences. And as these sensitive children are aging, it's, it's starting a new norm. Yes, right? absolutely. We're starting to look at each other, accept each other, uh, uh, um, have more tolerance. Um, and I, I just think it's a beautiful thing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you take into consideration all of the self-harm that these children have done to themselves because they didn't fit into a certain norm or certain label. Um, so yes, I believe that as these sensitive children are aging, it's forcing us. It's absolutely having us look at ourselves, at our children, at others in a better light, in a more yeah. real light, in ki kind of looking at each other with the eyes of the soul. Right. So true. It's, it's amazing. And they're just I, I sometimes I just feel they're they are the gift that we have that are helping us to awaken, you know, for those of us who can get out of our own way, if you if you will. Yes. Uh, thank you for that. Yes.
So I'd love to talk about that more. Maybe you can come back and we talk about that more. I'd love, <laughs> love that. I could, I, could, I could talk forever about this sort of thing. So yeah, it's great, great. So let's talk about babies and new life and some of the questions in your book and on your website um, that you um, present and then talk about in your book. So first of all, why... Um, was I chosen to be my child's parent? Ah, yes. So we, we come into this world with agreements, right? With contracts. Um, we might have in a previous lifetime been our spouse's mother, which in my case would explain a lot. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, joke, John, joke. That's my husband. Um, so we come into this world with these agreements um, with other souls within a greater soul group. Um, and those, those relationships are in agreement to have these roles for the expansion of love, for the expansion of consciousness, to learn our um, lessons, you know, lessons in life, uh, lessons in love, so that we can expand the consciousness. So with regard to a mother and child or a parent and child relationship, we're looking at the most powerful opportunity for spiritual progression and spiritual growth, right? Because that, that relationship is the most profound love. I'm sure you and many others would agree. Yes. It is the most profound love that you can experience while in the, the, the human form, right? Um, so that particular contract is a very, very powerful and profound one. Now, while nobody can specifically say what, why was I chosen to be my child's mother or parent? Why is it, what are the specifics? Nobody can say, you know, that's only, that's a covenant between you and your creator um, or you and your guides. So that's, the specifics aren't, uh, revealed to us on this side of the veil, so mm -hmm. to say, right? But what we can trust is that your relationship, number one, you will likely have known your child throughout many lives, okay? And that number two, your child is in your life to give you the greatest opportunities for spiritual growth mm -hmm. within this lifetime. And Christine, when you started this work, how was it to go back a little bit? How did you go down the spiritual path and that you, you know all of this is true for your for yourself? And yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, like when you uh, introduced me, your beautiful introduction, I I was born a physical empath. Mm -hmm. So as a physical empath, I'm able to perceive 
people's energies. And the way I perceive it is as sensations on my skin, but babies in particular, I, I feel their aura. I feel their energy patterns. And so when I was writing this book, I, I always say this, this book was made in collaboration with a higher entity or higher entities, because I always say I'm not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't have that much um, insight into the spiritual world that was really gifted to me um, while writing this book. And what I perceived with uh, children is particularly their energy dynamics when they are being parented in, in, in a certain way. And that's the way that I would call intuitive nurturing. Yes. Right? So if I can just segue into that now. Absolutely, <laughs> please. Okay. So um, intuitive <clears throat> nurturing is a, basically a set of practices that helps you to see your child as spirit, right? So we have within um, intuitive nurturing, we have uh, uh, a method that allows us to help our child adjust to the body as best as possible. So what do I mean by that? When a child, when when a woman gets gets pregnant, the, the the only layer of the spirit that is present in the womb is the etheric layer. So the etheric, for for those who are not familiar with uh, the bodies, the spiritual bodies, uh, the energy bodies of the spirit, there is the uh, the closest and the densest to the body, which is the etheric layer. Then you have the um, the emotional layer. Then you have the mental layer, and then you have like the astral layer or the heart layer, and it goes mm-hmm. on and on, right? So when a woman is pregnant, we have the etheric layer in place, which serves as the template or the blueprint for onto which the dividing cells, uh, 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 you know, um, gather, okay? So it's like the blueprint. And so that's the only layer that's present. The rest of the spiritual layers, the higher, the higher layers, the higher vibratory layers of consciousness are still outside of the body. There's no need for the spirit in its entirety to be present in the womb because the baby is in a state of genesis, right? It's in a state of growing. It's in a state of rest, right? So what what winds up happening is when the, the mother starts to get close to birth, we have a situation where the, the, the then 
the uh, spirit gradually descends into the physical body. And what we wind up having is a very vulnerable, new to physicality soul that's having a tough time with adapting to this very dense and physical life. Yes. Okay. So that difficult time manifests itself as perhaps, um, um, you know, crying when, when, when at, with, with the slightest bit of separation from the parent, particularly the mother, because the mother has the energy dynamics that the child is most familiar with logically, right? So what, what we need to look at then is, and this is what I saw to answer your question uh, in terms of how I was able to perceive all of this is what I was able to see is how when baby and mother particularly come together, how they sort of establish a spiritual synchrony, okay? And this spiritual synchrony is everything, okay? Now, have you ever heard of skin-to-skin care or kangaroo well, care? my twins were very um, premature, so that's, that's how I was first able to touch them was skin to skin. So yes, I am. Yes, yes. So for your audience that may not know, uh, skin to skin or kangaroo care um, is a practice that's done immediately after birth or soon after birth, where they are placed on the mother's chest for at least an hour, several times a day, And this has proven to absolutely promote the most amazing physiological outcomes, such as improved heart rate, breathing, temperature stability, improved digestion, um, optimized immune function, brain activity, less stress hormones, reduced risk of sudden infant death syndrome, the list goes on and on. And these benefits are not just for the baby, it's for mom as well. Mother has a surge of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, they say, but this specific hormone acts in so many different ways for the mother. It is, it, it helps physiologically to restore the uterus in, back to its uh, uh, pre-pregnancy uh, shape and size. It helps with, with a breastfeeding. It, it, it helps with controlling bleeding and it helps with the whole bonding process. Okay, so What's even more incredible about kangaroo care skin to skin is, is that if it's done over say a period of six months, even a year, they have shown long-term studies that have proven that these children who received these practices grow up with greater empathy and greater ability to interact with peers. They're, greater, they're better to regulate their emotions and manage stress. And what's interesting is that researchers don't exactly know how this happens, 
But vibrationally, I was able to see clearly how what's, what is happening is the synchronization with the mother's energies. Yes. And what that frees the, the newborn infant or the infant to do is to conserve their energies and to allow mother's energy to sort of take over and take the lead. Okay, because think about it, besides having a regulation of temperature on, on the mother's chest and perhaps even some tactile stimulation, of course, and better access to breastfeeding, of course, as well. But besides those things, what else can account for greater empathy, greater uh, 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 improved uh, brain activity? better uh, emotional regulation, hormonal regulation. I mean, the, like I said, the list goes on and on. Right, right. So it was that that I saw. And con conversely, I saw the opposite happen as well. Because um, as a maternal child nurse, I used to go into the homes of my patients. And I used to follow my patients from pregnancy up until when the child turned two years old. And so I was able, thanks, you know, I loved my job. Um, unfortunately, I'm no longer because I, I became disabled with lupus, but that's another story. But um, so uh, what I was able to have the privilege of seeing was these energy dynamics at play. And um, what I saw conversely was when a, a mom and baby or, or parents and baby believed that, oh, it's best to have to train the baby to go to sleep on their own. Let's, you know, I'm going to train my baby to sleep on their own. That's when I would see the baby's energies become so chaotic. I would see their, I would see flashes of their life energy sort of leak out. It, it, it was a spectacular thing and it was very discomforting because uh, again, I, I, I feel it on myself. Mm -hmm. So um, that was such a valuable thing to witness. And again, I saw those two very opposite um, uh, ends of the spectrum, being with mother, that, that spiritual synchrony versus separation. I'm going to put the, my baby in an entirely different room. I'm only gonna go in and pat them on the back every now and then when they're screaming and crying to be held, you know? And the, what, research tells us over and over and over again is is that baby needs to be close to a loving caregiver right in order to thrive as a matter of fact the um american academy of pediatrics just recently changed their guidelines um to to uh, ensuring that parents have their child in the room for the first year of life. Wow. Very different. 
That is beautiful. I remember. And when I was bringing up my children. Christine, it's so, it's almost like we know this. Yes. But it's not the way in the West. It's not the way we do it. I mean, I did skin to skin because my kids were less than three pounds, you know, and that not every mom, I mean, the people who had you as a nurse and, and consultant were so fortunate to, to know these things because we'll do anything for our kids. Right? <laughs> and it's, and it, it's just so important. I mean, you look at the indigenous cultures, yes. you look at a lot of different cultures and they do the rap and, you know, they, yes. but it's almost like that we think that that's archaic or not right. And this information, so do you think it's changing a little bit? My kids are older, but do you think it's changing a bit that moms and families and everyone is, is being educated about this? Well, I'm optimistic because I'm going to go back to how we're seeing these very empathic children starting to age, right? Right. right. And so they're, they're sensing the importance of this. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, we have now different terms for this. We have gentle parenting. We have mindful parenting. We have attachment parenting. Right. And all of these terms encompass this more empathic way of parenting, of nurturing our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do away with this harshness, this, this type of, uh, of distant parenting that even at sometimes favors technology over the human body. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, it was part of a, an article I recently wrote. They, there is a device, a gadget that will actually shush your baby now for you. Yes, it'll, it'll go shh. And, and you could even record your own voice on the device so that it's your voice going shh. And this, this drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. It makes, why do we need a gadget for this? Right, right. Why are we replacing the, the, the vi- vibration of love with something mechanical? I, I right. don't understand. But again, I, I think we're trending toward the, in the right direction. Yes. And I hope, I'm hoping it stays that way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so important. What I'm worried about Marla though, is I'm worried about the influence that our cell phones have. And what I mean by that is the distractions it creates. Right. The parents too. I mean, you yes. see, I see kids down at the park, babies, and I mean, not to listen. I am not judging. I know when oh, I, I know. Right. when I raised my kids, you know, we didn't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm aging myself. <laughs> but, That's true. Um, but you know, the caregiver or whomever, and not always by any means, but many times you're just on their phone. And I've I've thought to myself before. 
what is that two-year-old thinking when every time they glance over that whoever's, you know, taking care of them is, is on their phone? Yes. That's and, my point. That's yeah, my worry. Yeah. My worry is the, 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 distractibility of these very powerful miniature computers that we have in the palm of our hand. Um, it's alluring. It's, it's, it's enticing. It's, it's, and ultimately it's a distraction yes, from, yes. from mothering. It's a, it's a, from parenting, from caregiving. Um, so that's, that's my worry, but I I think if we keep sending this message about what a cherished period of time this is to, to parent, to nurture a child, and, and the importance of merely keeping your baby close by, in yes. close contact, in a baby wearing uh, which uh, is the act of carrying your baby in, say, a carrier or a sling, um, infant massage, um, yes. practices like this that, that, that promote togetherness so that your child can get the benefit of this synchrony. Um, also to recognize, I, I want to add also, it also enables the parents to recognize better when the child has had too much of the spiritual synchrony. Yes, yes. I was going to say, this okay. can't be 100%. Exactly. I mean, for listeners that are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm doing it all wrong. I mean, uh, we, all, no. we all do the best we can. Exactly. But just becoming aware and to educate ourselves, it really yes. changes things. Yes. And that's, that's the key thing to intuitive nurturing. It's the, it's the, the emergence of a type of nurturing that is so tailored to that little soul right, right. and helping that little soul become the best person that they can be their authentic self. And hopefully to um, contribute, you know, wonderfully to this world that so desperately needs yes. our children, our empathic children. Yes, definitely. Wow, that's, that's wonderful information. So um, let's just segue a little bit and mm -hmm. talk about children and meditation. And I know you taught mm. your children to meditate. And um, I'm wondering what um just just to discuss that a little bit the importance and how you can kind of bring that into your daily life without without it you know overtaking overtaking all of your yes. <laughs> your, your to-do list <laughs> yes 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 so um we all know what the benefits of of, yes. of meditation you know they uh, uh, less stress, uh, better sleep, uh, uh, regulation of, of hormones, regulation of your emotions. Uh, it's, the list goes on and on with the benefits, right? But it's especially so for children and even more so highly sensitive children and empathic children. Um, empathic children, highly sensitive, I kind of use those terms interchangeably. Um, they are very prone to becoming overstimulated 
in, in, in certain environments, in crowds, even, even so sensitive that uh, being with uh, a stranger can overwhelm them. Yes. Uh, let alone a schoolroom, say. So this can interfere with their sleeping. Um, it can kind of wreck a little bit of havoc with their uh, emotions and their attention. So meditation is so helpful when it comes to those kinds of issues. And what I would add is to take advantage of that whole sort of spiritual synchrony and try to meditate with, within one to two feet of your child mm. to help them get into that space. Um, what else can I say about them? Yeah, um, that's, that's, yeah, also, also what I, what I'd like to say is empathic children are also in need of learning how to shield themselves yes. of other people's energies, right? So, uh, you know, what I taught my children is to basically envision you know, the white light around you, mm -hmm. an impenetrable uh, white light uh, so that other people's emotions don't weigh heavily on you. Um, and this is a very known uh, phenomena with uh, sensitive children. You know, they get, they take on other people's emotions yeah. and, and yeah. energies. So. My daughter is, I, I, think, I think my children are like that. Um, one recognizes that and probably one not so much. But Christine, why do you think that some children, I mean, we all know that all children are um, sensitive in their own way. And, but why, why are some just so much more sensitive and empaths versus others? Like, I mean, this is my personal opinion. It's it's not really based in um, anything scientific. Right. Um, I don't know how it could be. <laughs> yeah, this is my my opinion. Some people might differ. Um, so I I really believe that we are in a period of universal change, universal yes vibrational change. And that these children are being born to help us along. You know, we have uh, historically the the uh, the indigo children. Um, yeah. You know, that were crystal children, crystal children, the rainbow children. Yes, I I like to avoid labels mm -hmm. um, like that because I think the underlying trait, the underlying. Uh, attribute of these children is that deep sensitivity, that deep empathy that they have, that compassion that they have, that propels us to be better. Yes, absolutely. Okay? Better parents, better, better people, better teachers, better physicians, better nurses, just better humans. I, I and also, don't you agree that it also opens us up to 
bringing those practices into our own lives and celebrating our own inner child when you slow down and have more presence, just being in the presence of a child. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, you know, like I said, I think they, they force us, you know, and sometimes they force us because of their high sensitivity, they force us to kind of do a sort of advocacy for them that we never did before. Right, right. I know my daughter used to come up to me and say, I'm just so anxious. And I didn't even know what that meant. It, it, it's like, what? I don't quite, you know, and it, it does. It opens you up because you want to know, you want to learn, you want to help, you want to love. So it's doing as much for us, if not more sometimes. Yes. So I can't believe the time has gone so quickly. Oh, but but before, um, before we close out, I would like you say, you talk about the inherent truths that lie in our chakras. Yes. And how can we use this knowledge to nurture, to nurture our children? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so um, the chakras, just to, to do a very brief overview, sure. they are the spinning wheels of energy that vitalize the human body. Um, they are uh, energy, a pure energy that uh, uh, they are vortice, vortices that align along the, sp- the spinal column, and they start from the base of your spine and uh, end at the very top, or actually just above the crown of your head. Now, we typically look at the seven main chakras of the, the, the root, the sacrum, the uh, solar plexus, the heart chakra, the throat chakra, the brow chakra, and the crown, but there are many others uh, that nourish the body. And so what I love to look at is how those teachings apply beautifully toward guiding our children. And so the root chakra has has issues dealing with a sense of security, safety for our children, for, for everybody, security, safety, um, universal intent in your arrival here in this world. And so how we can nurture our children in that respect is basically helping them feel how just how purposeful their arrival is here yes give them that ensure that sense of safety for them you are safe here in our home we will never let anything happen to you we we are your supreme protectors here while you are you know our our child um and it goes on. So we go to the sacrum, the sacrum. I mean, uh, in the book, I go into it much more in depth. Yes. Um, for the sake of time, I'm just going to briefly go through them. Uh, the sacrum, sacral uh, chakra has everything to do with one-on-one and re- interpersonal relationships, also creativity. So what is the first relationship our baby has? It's with their parent. So we need to ensure that that relationship is 
secure that we are we we convey just how precious they are in our lives because it also becomes the template for the child's future relationships mm-hmm. um we 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 treat them with the honor we treat them with with respect and we teach those elements within interpersonal relationships uh, in general. Um, Also to give them a safe space to express their creativity and um, uh, wonder, I love to say. Yes. Um, So this, this solar plexus, which is the next chakra, has to do with issues of self-esteem, self-worth, self-love, self-identity. Um, and just think about how challenging that is for our children these days with social media. I, I talk about this at length in the book. You know, um, we are living in a time where uh, adolescent girls are committing self-harm at an alarming rate now. Why? Because they are comparing themselves with these unrealistic body ideals. They're um, comparing their lives, you know, with these uh, photoshopped images. Yes. Um, and it's taking such a blow to their self-esteem and self-image. So it's so important now as nurturers to help them to realize the inherent beauty that they came into this life with. I don't, you know, I don't care if you were born with one eye between your forehead, you know, it's like you are beautiful just the way you are. Exactly. Um, And I know that kind of, reinforcement can only go so far within the family, right? Because inevitably you're surrounded by your classmates and, and, you know, your peers, friends, you know, teachers, coaches, and, and all of that. But if we understand just how important conveying that is, I think it's, it's half the battle. Yes. Right. Um, so the next chakra we talk about is the throat chakra and the throat chakra has everything to do with self-expression and will, personal will. And so what we can, how we can teach our children in that respect is how powerful your words are, right? They have the power to love somebody profoundly and express that love verbally, but it also has the power to damage somebody profoundly Um, and show them, teach them the power of their personal will. Okay. I don't care how small the body, you know, children can have a very powerful will, you know, and to, to, to learn how to um, rein it in when, it's, when, when needed right. and, and, and practice discernment with using the power of your words, right? 
So the next um, chakra is the brow chakra, which has everything to do with mental processes, cognition, insight, uh, clairvoyance even. Um, and so it's important to teach our children the magnificence of their minds, mm, the, the imagination. Yes, the and the ability to manifest their desires, their um, their hearts, uh, 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 their heart desire, and what they want to do in the future, what they see themselves, their dreams like you said, their imaginations, um, and, you know, and, and cognition, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the ability to have insight into their own psyche, their mm -hmm. own personality to be able to, uh, kind of realize their, their own shortcomings as they grow, uh, and that's important in terms of insight uh, to yourself. Um, and the next one is the crown chakra. And the crown chakra has everything to do with your relationship to a higher power. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I always say it doesn't have to be religion. It, it, it could merely mean the understanding that we are all connected. I, we are all connected. I always say separateness is a dangerous illusion. Yes. And that's such an important lesson to teach our children. And that, yes, we have control over our, our destinies to a certain extent, but there is also another factor yeah. Yeah. within our lives. And uh, that is the energy of the divine, our creator, right. and how that encompasses universal, universally. And uh, yeah, so I think we, I think we skipped the heart. Oh, did we? I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Heart, very important. How very, did I very do that? Important. Oh boy. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the heart. The heart is is yes, of course, just as important as all the others. Um, but even more so because, you know, obviously we teach them that they are loved or show them that they are loved unconditionally, right? But what's also so important is that we teach our children to love themselves and to learn how to forgive themselves, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it's just the, the power of love, of course, can't be, un, you know, overstated. Absolutely. And well, yeah. Those are so, it's so amazing just to think about that and the energies running through and uh, thank you for that. So ah. I also um, love when you say you do this work to usher in a new generation to make a better world. And um, so could you just kind of combine that with your words of wisdom or um, your final words today? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay, so what we have allowed a type of parenting, a type of nurturing, a 
of children, especially in this Western society, that often goes against our very intuition. We've yes. surrendered our instincts as parents over to the notion that some stranger may know more about our child than we do. And we we've sort of allowed ourselves to follow parenting trends yes, that's, so that, has, yeah, that has created a chasm within the bond that we share with our children. We, we quieted our soul. Mm -hmm. And our children need us to regain our intuitive wisdom as nurturers. We need to look at our kids through the eyes of the soul so that we can help them to realize their authentic selves because this world needs them. And we all need their compassion, their activism for safeguarding our ecology, their empathy. We need their inner light to help us progress as a collective consciousness. I, whenever I see a newborn, I can't help but think to myself, they're so courageous for coming. Uh, so true. Uh, uh, Christine, thank you. This oh, is this has been just a wonderful conversation, unlike any I've ever I've ever had before, actually on the on the podcast. So, thank you uh -huh. so much for coming, and oh, we'll we'll um, talk about you coming back after I stop the record button. But really sure. appreciate and and if people want to find you and your book, um, how would they do that? Sure. Um, I uh, my website is uh, intuitivenurturing.com. And uh, my book is available uh, in Amazon. Uh, I think it's, all, it's, it's available internationally. And uh, yeah. Wonderful. Great. Well, have a great rest of the day. And once again, it's just been an honor. Oh, it's, it was such a pleasure, Marla. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. So welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.